Register by October 23rd for the 2023 Global Symposium on Racing for a chance to win a trip to Las Vegas to qualify for the 2024 National Horse Players Championship. Going to be a free-to-play online handicapping contest exclusive for registrants of the 2023 conference. The conference itself is fantastic. I go every year these days, and there's a lot of amazing panels and great information, fabulous networking. If you're thinking of getting involved in racing, expanding your role in racing, changing your role in racing, you want to be at this symposium. And this contest is a fun opportunity, too. Going to be held on Horse Players Saturday, October 28th. You must register for that symposium by October 23rd. The best way to get more information and to register is via the website racingsymposium.com. I'll put a link in the show notes as well. Hello and welcome to the In The Money Players podcast. This is our show that we are recording on Thursday, October 19th for the races, mostly of the 21st. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital, coming to you from the Brooklyn Bunker once again. A lot of action to cover. International action with stops later in the show uh, to the Far East in Japan and also north of the border to Canada. But we start off in the bluegrass state of Kentucky. And to do that with me, we bring in uh, the usual co-host, of this program, the man, the myth, the legend, Jonathan Kitchen. What's up, JK? Pete, have you ever had to prove that you're doing a podcast by taking a picture of yourself doing a podcast? Has that ever happened to you before? Because someone like, wants to ask you a question. Yeah, I've like I've taken a picture of myself doing a podcast for sure, but I've never done it to prove that. Who's who's busting your shoes over there? No, I just I didn't respond to a message earlier, so I was, I was trying to prove that I was I was uh, been running around like a psychopath. <laughs> Uh, you know, but, you're yeah. settled now, though. You're settled. Now. Tell us about your adventures, your peregrinations today, if you will. Oh man, people people couldn't digest what I do from a t- from a travel standpoint. Um, I was in Saratoga this morning at 5 a.m. Now I am in uh, New Braunfels, Texas. Austin gets out of school here in about an hour and a half, and then uh, I'm here until Tuesday. Then I go back to Saratoga on Tuesday. And then I'm in Saratoga until the following Wednesday. And then I go to California for the Breeders' Cup. Then I fly back to Saratoga. And then I fly the following Monday to Chicago for the Duke basketball game. I Ooh. fly back to Austin to pick up Austin. Then I fly to New York for Thanksgiving. Then I fly back from New York to, to Austin to drop Austin off. And then I go somewhere else, but I can't remember where it's at. It's a lot. It's uh, it's a lot. I get tired. Just I get stressed out. My travel stress kicks in just listening to that. There's not enough Xanax in the world for me to be able to uh, <laughs> pilot with you on those on those journeys, my friend. But we admire you for it. We got a few different things. It's a little bit different today because we're doing we're doing something a little funny, but it's all going to work out. Uh, audio people, we're starting out by looking at this alter pick three at Keeneland. Then we're going to do a couple of evergreen segments that are also going to have a video component which if you want you can go watch over on our youtube channel but it kicks off with race number four at keeneland on saturday where we've got these phillies and mares in the allowance ranks going one mile on the turf a couple of runners i wanted to nominate in here 
And one thing about this pick three, and we'll talk more strategically about this a little bit later in the show, but I do feel like you have the ability to um, use some favorites and press up some favorites in smart ways that makes me not scared of them at all. And one that I had marked up uh, very interested in is number eight, Via Reggio. I do think this horse will probably be the favorite, but just as a couple of things I like, I don't really think handled the Kentucky Downs course, was in a difficult situation there too, trying to close into blue for actions. Very soft turf the time before at Delaware, also kind of an unusual course. I think on this one's best form fits pretty well with this allowance group, and I think it's going to get a pretty good trip in here. She was one of the numbers I wanted on my tickets to uh, light this candle, as it were. How about you, JK? Who do you like in this uh, fifth race, fourth race, excuse me, at Keeneland come this Saturday? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I'm going to use the eight via ratio as well. You know, when you talk about Kentucky Downs and you see this often at Keeneland, I think these horses that, that run at Kentucky Downs, it gives it's a built-in excuse. Uh, or it's also a built-in negative, I guess, if you want to call it, where you can look at a horse who ran well at Kentucky Downs and you can say, oh, well, they only ran well because it was there. You can also look at a horse that ran poorly at Kentucky Downs and say, oh, they didn't like Kentucky Downs. It's kind of a nice handicapping crutch uh, if you want to try to formulate an opinion. I- I'm going to use Via Riggio. I think she'll run well here. Um I'm not crazy about the four uh, a day. I'm guessing that's what it is, or a day or a day in Asia. Um, I really want to make sure I have the two over. Is that how you're calling that, Pete? Over? Oof. over. I'd go oof. oof on that one. Yeah. Okay. Well, I appreciate you. That's I, why you're I like, never took French, but I dated a French girl for a while. I'm pretty sure it's oof. Okay. Well, oof it is, just like vouv, right? There you go. <laughs> oof, I yeah, like oof, too. Give, um, give the case. Well, I'm just, look, when you go six and a half at Kentucky Downs, to me, it's like six and a half down the hill at at Santa Anita. I think it plays the horses that can go a little bit further uh, because, you know, especially Kentucky Downs, you finish kind of on an uphill. There's, it's an undulated track. So I think if you can go six and a half there, you can do it, um, go all other place. And the other thing about uh, Oove is that this, the pace figures of that race were very fast early. So that that even gives me more indication with that early energy that was used uh, in that six and a half race that the stretch out should be a problem. So for me, those are the only two I was going to use. Eight and two, little bit. You mentioned a day in Asia, but you're against. So we're we're in lockstep here, eight two to to kick things off. What was your quick thought on a day in Asia? No, it's just one of those horses that when it's Christoph Clement and Flavian Pratt, you're going to get bet. Uh, for no reason. And, and I just think this horse on paper is the third best horse in the group. So I'm not going to include and waste the equity. I get it. I get it. Maybe one to back up on on connections alone if you got something super strong in either of these legs. But I was going to try to get out 8-2 as well. The next race in the all-turf pick three is race number eight. Phillies and mares in the allowance ranks going a mile and a 16th. And a big full field turning up in this one. You mentioned Pratt before I was pretty interested in Filtra in this spot, JK coming out of the stake at Kentucky Downs um, with some form on uh, good form on traditional courses as well. Just looks like one that's uh, in pretty good spot to uh, fire another, uh, another good bullet, just a very honest uh, horse that uh, seems to do pretty darn well with her racing. You know, the only, uh, the, the, the standout uh, speed effort going a mile and a half at Churchill, not so good, but lots of other good races on her form. I was very interested in Sinfiltra. Also very interested in an old friend, Haughty, in this spot. 
for Chad Brown. This one coming out of a couple of races, closing into blue fractions. I thought might have a little bit more of an honest pace to run at. And of course, I've always liked who might be in the right spot here. So I was going to mainly go seven and nine. Very curious to get your thoughts. It's funny. I mean, those are the only two I was going to use. Um, and, and I started to kind of think about singling Hottie, uh, getting Lasix for the first time, which I thought was interesting. Uh, look, she's always shown a ton of talent. Um, she's always shown a bunch of ability. And, uh, I, you know, but she's always kind of banged her head in 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 these, you know, these six races, right? Um, I think she gets in a little bit softer here. And, and then, you know, the seven horse that you mentioned, I won't try to pronounce that. Uh, you know, got a wide trip last time, kind of all the way around there. And, and, and now you get the slight cut back. I went a little bit further last time. Those are the only two that I really needed in here. And, and those are the only two that I was going to use. We're going to win or lose together in this spot, it sounds like. One of the things I love about Haughty, just looking at a pace map, uh, figures to have much more of this field uh, behind her than in front of her at the pace call and has a kick. So I just think a great trip is going to be on offer for that one and i imagine pratt on sin filter will be right in behind so i think we can count on a couple of pretty good trips to get us to the third leg of this alter victory maybe we'll do some bonus coverage i didn't i didn't prep you for the raven run but i'll give my opinion on the raven run after this anyway but for now we'll skip ahead to race number 10 where we've got uh an open allowance race going five and a half on the turf and not a ton of uh not a ton of early speed signed on in this race jk which i thought might set it up for one of the two that i wanted to use in here we'll start with number five axnelm a horse i've always liked it's really good from a condition point of view i think second off the layoff had the leg stretcher last time it was a kentucky down seven so that's a you know more like a mile this one just sort of emptied out all over the hill cut back to five and a half some good back numbers really like axnelm should sit in a great spot one that's going to be i think in front of him if uh, pace figures are accurate or maybe right behind him. Number eight, Counter-Strike, another one I wanted as a potential best of speed. I think this one's going to hold together um, against Fauci in this spot, who's listed as the two-to-one morning line favorite. I'm going to try to get out 5885. I'll call it 58 officially to close out this all-turf pick three. Don't tell me we have the same number three races in a row. That'll be a first. No, we're close. 5-8, I'm going to use for sure. You talked about the speed uh, being a little bit void. We know how the speed can be really uh, dangerous going 5.5 uh, at Keeneland. Or you're just turf sprinting anywhere. So I want to make sure I have the 5 and the 8. There's not a whole lot I can add there uh, in terms of what you already said. But I will say this about the 11 Fauci. Uh, I remember at Saratoga this summer, and I believe it was before that August 24th race, where Fauci has kind of always been in the mix but he wasn't always, uh, he never really got there. And I remember he was gelded, if I'm not mistaken, before that August 24th race, or maybe it was before the July 28th. Okay. Well, I, yeah, I don't know if they, I don't know if they, I don't know if they announced it then. It was just, you know how that can get weird sometimes. Yes. My point is, is that I do believe, and I remember Acacia or Maggie that pointed out that Fauci, like, you know, kind of seemed to look a little bit better after the gelding. And then the last two, he had two races where he ran extremely well and actually overcame some scenarios in both of those races. He gets Lasix for the first time. He's drawn outside, so you know he's going to be in the clear all the way around there. If if we can get a couple of horses to keep it at least honest, I think Fauci can win. I want to make sure I use him in this $3 uh, minimum turf uh, pick three. Five eight eleven. would that be your numbers in order, or do you like Fauci enough to put him up to the top spot? No, 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 Five eight eleven. 
left. So I'm, my ticket is two by two by three. So we're talking four times three. We're talking 12 combinations uh, at a minimum of, of, of three bucks. So JK tries math. $36 is the basic ding, ding, investment. Ding. JK, yeah, JK tries math succeeds. And again, a little bit later in the show, we are going to, a little bit later, like in a minute here, we're going to talk about some strategy for this bet. But first, let's go back to the Raven run, just because I had a fairly strong opinion in this spot, JK, which is that I think Dazzling Blue is going to go a lot better. I just think that last race in the Priors at Saratoga is one of those races that just looks so much worse than it actually is, because this horse didn't break. Then they got to see, Rosario got to see uh, Alva Star sort of running away from the field, made this middle move to try to get there, and just was absolutely no match. Got horrified on the day, but that was also kind of a speed-favoring track. That's how Timeform had it anyway, with a bright red uh, coating on there. I think this time around, with maybe some more pace uh, in the form of Lady Radler, to at least try to keep Alva Star honest, I think Dancing Blue, who was heavily favored the last day against Alva Star, might be able to just turn those tables. You're going to see a lot of money in this spot for Vava as well. But, you know, that big race, that's such a different deal doing the three, whatever it is, three turns, seven furlongs at Charlestown on this uh, traditional configuration. Uh, Dazzling Blue had her on the book two times, uh, two times ago. I just thought, you know, anything like this morning line of nine to two, give me Dazzling Blue in the Raven run. Did you have a quick thought on that one? Yeah. I mean, if Alba Starr runs her prior, she's going to win. Uh, if she runs uh, her, her dashing beauty, she also probably wins. And I think sometimes when you have that two performances that you can kind of lean to or look to to say if she runs those, she'll win. I, I get the idea of trying to get cute with a horse like Dazzling Blue or or even the idea of Ava. But, man, I, it, it's hard for me when it, you have a horse like Alva Star. If she shows up and runs, I think she'll be tough. She's had two works over the track uh, at Keeneland, 58 flat uh, in the work, two back. This isn't a new 58 flat uh, at Keeneland work in a work. I, I think she'll be ready to run. All right. We shall see how that plays out. Next up, we're going to do a little bit of evergreen content for our friends at Keeneland talking about the all turf pick three. This is a bet, JK. I know you're a huge fan of. Might have even had a little bit of something to, a uh, little tiny bit of something to do in its creation, though that goes to. Jim Goodman, let's start with the most basic question of all. Why do you like this all-turf pick three? Well, I mean, I think, you know, in an age in a game in which we, we understand the challenges, we understand the necessity, uh, we understand the challenges that the computer-automated wagering teams present. Um, they're more than welcome to come to the party. We love that they're at the party. Uh, my only thing is I wish that they we, – we, we were given some of the same access and tools they were, but that's neither here nor there. But what I will say is that when you have a higher wager minimum, I'm sorry, higher minimum, higher minimum wager amount, it does allow us as the kind of retail player, the average player, um, to still find some value. It's harder for the computers to cover a lot of the combinations at that higher dollar amount based on the pool size. And so I do think it's a good wager if you have an opinion to try to lean on. If you love a horse in the turf race uh, and in a turf race that's in this sequence, you know, I think you're probably better off playing this wager than maybe even playing the pick six or the pick five. I, if, you, if you're going to play one, I think that you 
opportunity uh, with with this three dollar minimum. And I, and I think that that makes it a lot harder for the computers to take the meat off the bone, as like we like to call it. And I, I just think that it's a I think it's a great opportunity. I think another part of it, which is kind of interesting, is that higher minimum maybe forces players to make decisions that are just going to give them more efficient ticket combinations that are going to help them whether they like it or not. You know, maybe you want to, in, in the sense that if there's a ticket where you have to spread too much, maybe you just don't play it or you just keep grinding and you, you do the work to get the ticket down to the, the horses that you really want to play as opposed to the ones you just don't want to get beat by or whatever. I, I found that my construction gets better with that $3 minimum. And in terms of construction, I'll spend, I'll spend, you know, sometimes I'll play this bet on the cheap, but sometimes I'll play it more seriously, a little bit more along the lines of the mentality of a pick five or even a pick six. And for me, the way that I will typically do it, I don't do necessarily always traditional A's, B's and C's in that method, but I will play, I think of it almost more. And I think I'm stealing this idea from Tommy Massis, play it like a pyramid almost where maybe my, maybe my spreadiest ticket is a three by three by three that I'm spending $72 on, but then I'll go back typically and press just to, for, just to make it easy. Let's say I have one press horse in each race, then play another one by three by three. It doesn't, you don't, and, and then, you know, maybe you do another one that's three by one by three, and then three by three by one, where if you have that one, for this simple example, that one horse that you really like in each race, you end up hitting it extra times if that one wins. And then, of course, ideally, all three keys win, and, and you've really got something. And, of course, you're not limited to making it a $3 pick three. One thing I found myself doing a lot last weekend that helped me in my construction was, if you had a really strong favorite, play a $10 combination of it. So it came very chalky on Saturday, but, you know, my key horse won each of the three legs. So I end up with a $30 all turf pick three and end up being able to make decent money on the bet. Any thoughts from you about ticket construction, how you like to approach the all turf pick three? Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree. I mean, I'm not looking to hit it for $3, right? You know, uh, I'm looking to 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 kind of press it up and, 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 and have a, a $20 ticket, you know, ice cold or a, and then a five dollar ticket with some other thoughts and you could mix those things in a lot you know and, and i think that's and, and you know you, you mentioned that it kind of accidentally forces you to be more efficient um you know I, but i think it, it it forces everyone to be more efficient you don't look we've all been there and hit a pick five or a pick four where it's been like logical crazy logical logical and you're expecting it to be a nice payout because the 40 to one shot and it never comes. And the reason it doesn't come, and I have to explain to people often when they're frustrated about the payout is say, that was an all leg. People yep. hit the all button there. So there's a lot more people that caught that 40 to one shot that looked impossible because they hit the all button. You can't hit the all button really in a situation like this where you have a $3 minimum wager. And I think that that can make for uh, a more efficient pool. And when there's an efficient pool, not a more efficient pool, excuse me. A, a more a, it's almost like a more inefficient pool um, because people are having to kind of lean on things that and not get as much coverage as they'd like. Yeah, it's a great bet. And that combination of things, being able to weigh your tickets, being able to bet multiple tickets, being able to change that, that dollar amount. I've just seen it 
pay, and I wish I, I should have, if I was really smart, I would have pulled up some fancy data on this, but it's one of the few bets, JK, that I feel like routinely pays more than I would have predicted it was and, and puts a little bit of, of power back into the hands. Not that I'm calling you average, JK, but puts a little more power into the hands of the average player. All good. I'm, I'll take it. <laughs> good stuff there on the all-turf pick three, one of our favorite bets. Check it out on your ADW, usually in a separate drop-down menu. Another question, JK, that we frequently get asked when we're going to the racetrack is advice for new players. This is something I've done videos about with our friends at the, the Keeneland Select Team, and we've talked about at racetracks all over the country but just advice for the person. And, you know, people listening to this show don't need this advice so much as they might be giving this advice to the 18 people that ask them, well, what should I do around a big day at the track? What is your current answer to the question when a newbie asks you what they should be doing on the first day at the races? Well, the first thing that I always respond to them with is what's your goal, right? Um, so let's just, let's just talk in the terms of $100. Do you sure. want to turn your 100 into 200? Um, do you want action in every race? Do you want to turn your 100 into 5,000? Do you want to break even and have and get home with all the money that you came with? What is your goal? Because I think what your goal is, there's the answer to that question, right? I, like I think that. if you want to have action in every race and have fun and you're okay losing your $100, a show parlay is a great way to get involved and be watching, learning, feeling, handicapping, exciting, all that stuff. Easy, nice, easy way to do it. Um, if you want to, you know, I think rolling doubles is a great way to kind of learn the game where you're, you're playing doubles, just rolling doubles all the time. I think that's a, another way, you know, that you can, you can play, get involved, kind of have an idea of what you, you know, get your hundred bucks and, so you do a $2 rolling double here and maybe a $1 rolling double here and a $4 rolling double here and a $8 here, depending on what you're, what you got going on. Um, and then I've also told people that like, if you want, if you're that $5,000 guy and you don't care about your hundred bucks, then, you know, look at playing a pick five or something like that. And, 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 and trying to get some coverage built around some stuff and, and, and here you go. Uh, so I'm a big believer in someone comes to the race. And we want it to be a positive experience, right? Which is one of the reasons why I'm an advocate while I understand that some of the racetracks and some of the horsemen aren't for um, fixed odds wagers. Not, it, it not, not to replace the wind pool, not to replace the exacta pool, but to give me other wagers like will Steve Asmussen win more than three races plus 110? Yes, you know, minus 125, no. And, and allow people to have a churny bet that gets them involved where they're learning and they're seeing. So to me, that's the show parlay. That's the double, uh, the, the rolling doubles. And so, you know, I, like I said, I, I think the answer to that question lie in what, what is your goal? But there's a lot of different ways to, to skin a cat. So much to unpack there. We'll start with the, the fixed odds idea. And I think, you know, that prop idea, wow, that will be a great way to try to bring in some people familiar with sports betting rather than having them deal with the, the vagaries of the paramutual system. So I agree with you on that. Another simple answer along those lines is contests. You know, there's a lot of inexpensive contests that can give you a lot of action through the day for a very limited amount of money. Now, I don't know too many people who start their horse playing journeys 
playing an inexpensive contest online at a place like, uh, you know, our partner site, um, horse players or, or horse tourneys. But I think that's a very good idea, again, depending on what that goal is. And the show parlay, just for the for the uninitiated, that's the one I love because you can make it so communal too, where everybody throws in somewhere between two and 200, whatever bucks. And then you just take that amount. One, you can do it many different ways. It can be a team with a captain one who nominates the, the one horse to show. It's also sometimes fun just to go around the horn and let people take shots in your various group and pick that one horse and just keep rolling that money through the day. Some of the most Nowhere near the most profitable, but some of the most fun days I've ever had is turning that show parlay into, you know, probably the most I've ever gotten out of a show parlay. Probably about 1200 on a day. But boy, you go out drinking after with that crowd and it's just such a blast. There's something so fun and, and communal and cool about it. Rolling doubles like Keeneland is a track that has, you know, every race from one to another playing doubles. And, you know, you can spend what you want to spend, basically, and use whatever combinations you want to use in terms of like telling a newbie an efficient strategy or somewhat efficient strategy with rolling doubles. What would you tell them, JK? Would you would you give them any you know advice on is a two by three better than a four by two or is, is it? I mean, I know to you as a sophisticated player, it's all race to race. But for the newer player, how would you suggest that they approach that? Well, a lot of times what I'll do when I send friends, you know, a show parlay idea is I'll send them like key horse, three logicals, key horse, three logicals, key horse, logicals. It doesn't have to be three. It could be two. It could be one logical. Yep. And the way that I always tell them to do it is, is when you start, when you start the rolling double, then you just use the single key horse. Mm-hmm. And then you, so you play single key horse you know, to the, all four of the horses, right? The single and the logicals. And then on the other side of it, you come out of it with the single key horse and you do the same thing. So it's like a, you know, it's, it's like a one by four, one by four, one by four, one by four, but you don't skip any races. So you're, you're, you're still, there's still a level of efficiency there. Yeah. But at the same time, like the, you know, and I'm, I'm sure that, 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 you know, some, someone's, you know, 60 year old mother upstairs going to hear their, their banging around on their computer screen in their basement after I say this, but like efficiency is not an important conversation for new time horse players, new to the track players. That is not a conversation you have with them. That it's not, you, 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 you want them to have fun and then they'll come back and they can learn the efficiency of it. But if you try to convince someone that you should only be making EV plays, positive EV plays on a 10 race at Keeneland, they're going to probably lose because that's the way a positive EV play is made is that you're making smart wagers that, that in the long run, you're going to be successful. You could, you could, you could bang someone up on the first time they're there and they're like, that was boring. I'm never coming back. <laughs> I definitely do not mind when I'm dealing with newer players advising again, depending on that answer to the, what are you in this for question? Definitely don't mind giving them some favorites that are, that are, that are technically over bets so they can leave with money in their pockets. At the same time, that guy who wants to make 5,000 on his hundred JK, you know, maybe him, you have to approach a little bit differently. No, absolutely. I mean, that's a situation where, you know, I think you, 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 you know, it, you know, it, 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 well, for one, it's hard to teach someone in one day at the racetrack. Um, we, we've talked about it before. I think you, you let them, you, you, you talk to them about the tip of the iceberg, 
you let them know that there is an entire huge mountain of ice under the surface. And if they want to get down there with scuba gear and investigate it, that's great. But if you try to take them down there at the racetrack, it's almost like it's, it almost ruins the experience to a certain extent. Then you just let them know that it exists. Um, you, yeah. you, you show them there. And then on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, you give them the crash course. But on Saturday, you, 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 you shut up. You try to find something good to eat, a couple of good drinks, something to root for, and, and, and here we go. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good explanation of how we approach it when we've got newcomers to the track, which I know, you know, Saratoga season, definitely you see a lot of that. And you see a ton of it at Keeneland where you get a lot of a lot of first timers. And it's great. One of the things I love about Keeneland is how young that uh, that crowd can be. Uh, last Friday afternoon, it was like such a double edged sword. Right. On one hand, I'm frustrated that it's taking me so long to get in the track because like a knucklehead. I left my press pass at home so i can't do any of my wise guy stuff but then i'm like looking around while waiting on this long queue and it's like oh my it was like a college day or something but it was still just so great to see all these young people lined up but it's not just getting them there we got to uh, give them some strategies to have some fun and that's really you know what it's all about at that level and that doesn't mean that things like ev plays and and takeout don't matter they do but when it comes to uh, getting these people started on their journeys, those are some simple ways to, to accomplish it, I think. Any closing thoughts from you on this particular topic, JK? No, I mean, I, I think you nailed it. I mean, it's, it's separate conversations. They're, they're, it's, look, that's, it, don't get me wrong. Uh, you know, EV and, and efficiency and, 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 and molding a winning horse player and, and, and understanding what it takes to be successful in the game long term and take out a, a huge conversation. But it's not the conversation for day one, right? Think about it like dating. When you go on a date, and a lot of these guys who like to complain about it probably haven't been on many dates. I can imagine that they're just, you know, not on very many dates. Um, just leave it there. I don't want to have to edit the video, Jake. Okay, okay, I, like I got it. So, but what I'm saying is, is like, treat it like a date. You know, uh, on your first date, you don't want to talk about I don't think you want to talk about kids, politics, religion, you know, your, 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 your weird bathroom habits. <laughs> you, you, you just, just, just have fun on the first date. On the second date, we'll talk about all that other stuff. <laughs> the bathroom habits, that's a date two topic for you. I can see one EV police person having a tough time in the restroom. <laughs> I don't know how we went so off the rails here, but I'm glad we did. JK, thank you uh, so much, my friend. We'll have you back real soon. Up next, we turn our attention to Japan. And to do that, we bring in, I shouldn't say this because they're all my favorite guests, really. But I'm going to say one of my favorite guests, not least because... Uh, she taught herself Japanese playing video games. I mean, how cool is that? And I use that as an inspiration story to my daughter learning Japanese on uh, Duolingo right now. So uh, I speak of a woman who was just over there in the land of the rising sun. Alex Henry, welcome back to the In the Money Airwaves. How are things? Things are excellent. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me again. And I believe I believe she can do it. Duolingo is so much fun. I don't know if your daughter follows uh Duolingo on TikTok, the little bird or owl, it does a lot of fun things. So at the very least, I uh, use the funny TikToks to motivate her to learn Japanese. <laughs> I love that. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because I may be going as one of the Duolingo characters for Halloween as part of a group costume. I have been informed. So I'll hop over to, to TikTok and, uh, and, and see what's going on, uh, see what's going on with that as the great... Uh, 
speaking of pop culture phenomena, we'll, we'll, I'll make a little Peloton reference uh, to, to the instructor. I, I make it sound like I know her. I only know her from watching her while I ride. Hannah Corbin likes to say, uh, too old to TikTok, too young to retire. But I'll, I'll, I'll get into it for this reason. Love it. <laughs> so uh, let's start. I feel like every time you're on, we could do an hour about your, your history and your interest in international racing, but we we got to keep it uh, on point today for, for timing reasons. Let's start, though. you got to give us at least a quick recap of your trip to Japan. Oh, I'd love to. First and foremost, thank you so much to just a fabulous, fabulous welcome by the nation itself. Uh, the people are so polite. The streets are extremely clean. And let's talk about the racetrack. Nakayama Racecourse is one of the most beautiful, pristine, well-maintained and modern racetracks I've ever been to. And I can't say I've been to, you know, the majority of tracks, even in the U.S., but it truly impressed me how just streamlined and efficient everything was and just the passion of the fans and the people. I have to tell you, Pete, for example, people would come and bring a blanket, right? Like a picnic blanket. They would set it right like right on the track apron like right near the rail and they would set like their tea or like their snacks there and they would leave it unattended and go place their wagers and, and come back and no everyone knew don't step on that person's blanket just a true respect of people's things i mean it would have been trampled at belmont no offense i love belmont but <laughs> it's just amazing it really was that's great now how was the wagering piece and how much did your knowledge of japanese help you as opposed to me going there without parent no japanese like would you be able to get on and get bets down or like how would that experience be Yes, you most definitely can. And I also want to thank uh, Graham Pavey. Um, he, I believe he, he's a listener of yours and uh, he's a racing fan. He kind of helped me out here. But uh, actually at the tracks, they have an English wagering sleeve. And so I say sleeve because they use, m- majority of folks use a paper ballot. It's almost like you're voting um, yeah. and you fill it out <laughs> with a pencil and for English speakers, for those that don't know Japanese, they actually, the visitor center, the information center will give you a little sleeve to put your ballot in. And it, it has an overlay of the English words and some instructions on how to get your wager down. So one thing I will say for sure, you have to bring cash. Cash is king at that track. Um, the major, there's no ATM on site, oh, not wow. even a walk away. Yes. So I actually had to resort to using uh, my phone to place my wagers. Um, They also use what's called an Umaka card, U-M-A-C-A. And it's almost like a rechargeable subway card. Um, And you put money on it. It's a great way to limit yourself, I suppose. But put money on it and they scan it um, either when you use your paper wager or when they use uh, the digital kiosk like we we have in the U.S. They have those as well. So you can get by for sure. I'm going to – I can't wait. I mean I talk about this all the time, how deeply – interested in Japanese culture I am and you know somebody who loves horse racing and baseball and whiskey there, there, there's a trip there there are several trips probably in my future I'll be bothering you and uh and Graham and whoever else you tell me uh Graham who does a, lo- a great job on Twitter is it at long ball to no one we might as well give a give a plug to the uh to, to that fine Twitter account if you're interested in international racing yes indeed that's he's the one in the flesh <laughs> got to meet him there as well he's a lovely person what was the racing highlight while you were there? The racing highlight was the Group 1 Sprinter Stakes over six furlongs on the turf. And that was won by 
Mama Kocha, a full sister to our favorite unicorn and three-time grade one winner, Sorashi, uh, so, who recently retired. Um, but Mama Kocha really lit up the track. She was uh, top three in the betting. Um, was not the favorite, though, but she just looked a picture and signature Japanese style came down middle of the track and held on by a head late. It was really, it was a great race. And fun fact about the Japanese track, the general admission seating is amazing. They, the track, the apron is very graded. So no matter where you stand, you can have a great vantage point of the race. So no issues, uh, standing on shoulders or anything. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty funny, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm eager to, to get there and check it out. Of course, the big news from uh, from last weekend, we previewed the story. We did talk about the Sadashi story as well with uh, with Klaus, but uh, we we got the result we wanted to see in the form of uh, Liberty Island. Talk about storming home! You were back home for this one, but I assume you stayed up and watched. Oh, you know I did. I had to set an alarm. The jet lag was pretty strong. I only the last day or two I've <laughs> shaken out of it, but. Liberty Island, what a, what a filly. I mean, she joins, you know, a very exclusive group of Triple Tierra winners. And, I mean, there was never a doubt. Once she got rolling, she just mowed the, a very, very classy group of fillies down. And uh, I really look forward to her future. You know, um, her she actually has a quite an interesting pedigree um, by Duramente out of an Australian Mary Yankee Rose. So she has that really nice foundation, a lot of stamina in there. So I, I would love to see her, you know, come back, um, if not for, you know, the Japan Cup, but maybe for the uh, 2,500 meter Rima Kinen at the end of the year, you know, that race that's voted by fans. So yeah. she really has a bright future ahead of her. I'm really excited by her. Yeah, it's pretty cool. What was the price at the end? I'm asking you something I didn't prep you for. So if you don't know, don't worry. But uh, Klaus was saying he thought we, that we we're going to be looking at like prohibitively crazy long odds on like short of one to five. I'm curious if that materialized or not. Let's see. Um, I it's in the U.S. market, it must have been close because I actually hit the pick five that night, the late pick oh, five, nice. and it paid about thirty dollars. So <laughs> she was extremely short priced. No, uh, no. I can, but in JRA on the JRA tote, she was one point one digital odds. So one point one is about as short as you can get. Yeah, one to ten. But it it and yeah. and looked like it and looked like it in the running. Amazing stuff. Well, we should mention that you're part of the content team providing information that you can get on inthemoneypodcast.com, including past performances and analyses from the team. And sometimes these pick fives pay a lot more than $30. So that'll be out on sure. a Saturday afternoon. Typically, you can read the team's thoughts on that. But what do we have to look forward to uh, this weekend from sort of a high level? You don't have to hold your feet to the fire necessarily for a selection, but curious how things are shaping up. Yeah, so we have uh, the last leg of the male triple crown for three-year-old Colts in Japan, and it's called the Kakuka Show. And they hold that over 3,000 meters, so pretty long race, just a click under a mile and a half. And uh, we don't have a triple crown on the line this year, unfortunately, but it'll still be an amazing race. Uh, We have a great group of Colts. Um, We have Top Knife. Uh, we have the Japanese Derby winner Tasatera, the first leg of the Triple Crown, or the first leg of the male Triple Crown winner, the Satsuki Show winner, Soul Orion. So they've, they're all coming back to compete here to see who can possibly take down two legs of 
of the series, or maybe a newcomer will come and uh, show the way. So it'll definitely be a great betting race. No 1.1 odds, no one to 10 odds here. I'm looking to hit, take the pick five down again uh, for four digits, three or four digits, not two. (laughs) Any any early leans as far as who you might be using on those tickets, or do you want to keep that up your sleeve for now? You know, I'm going to say you got to go to inthemoneymedia.com to the international section to check us out. Um, But I have a hint. It'll be Soul Orions. I I think he has some upside and I think he wants the distance. So we'll see what he can do. Love it. Yeah, go back and check out on the website on Saturday. So personal question for you. Uh, So, you know, I'm building my idol plushie collection with Perrin. We, We started with Almond Eye. And number two was Sodashi. Should should we try to make Liberty Island the third? Should we get another Triple Tiara winner in there, or or should we go in another direction? You got I actually just ordered mine uh, from buye.com. Uh, <laughs> so you, you should snap one up quickly because now the price is tripled. Um, but if not, hey, <laughs> don't forget. And don't forget, one of my favorite horses um, coming, actually two, that have plushies that are reasonably priced. A uh, filly named Vodka, which for Perrin being a child, maybe uh, explain that that's the name of the horse, not not a drink. Um, but Vodka was a great Japanese filly who was one of oh. my favorites. And then also Cesario as well, who came to run in the U.S. successfully. So those two are great to add as well. I love that. How many do you have? Honestly, Pete, I look just look behind me. I brought home about 10 plushies, and two of those are for Klaus Ebner out of Woodbine. So got to give back. But um Yes, I might have to send you one. <laughs> have one okay. parents well, on We it. wouldn't say no. I'll say that we wouldn't. We, there'd be a little girl who uh, who wouldn't say no if you were wanted to make good on that offer. But we can buy. We can buy. I don't want to take your. I know how she feels about no. her. I don't want to. We don't want to be ta- you know taking uh, indiscriminately from other people's uh, stuffy collection. But Alex, this was no, so. I wouldn't think of it. <laughs> Love catching up with you. We're going to have you on again soon. I want to do a special panel. I had a Breeders' Cup as well. Uh, about similar to like we did around the Derby, where we get a bunch of people chatting about all the Japanese contenders. Uh, our friend Michael Adolfson is is convinced it's going to be a huge year for for Japan out there. We'll have you back to weigh in on that, and uh, really appreciate your time today. Of course, thank you so much for having me, and have a great afternoon. Next up on the show, we turn our attention north of the border, and then to the NFL. So you know who that means. Your reigning Breeders' Cup Betting Challenge champion, Drew Coatney, is here with me on this Thursday afternoon. How are you, Drew? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. The The fall leaves are in full pop uh, up here. Uh, we've got another good weekend in Michigan planned. And, uh, yeah, yeah I've visited a bunch of wineries. Would love to talk wine with you uh, off air on some of these wineries that have really done some serious stuff with their with what they're making up there. Really surprised. I haven't heard any of that stuff. It's not, I mean, it, all the price points are in the right market, like 40 to $20 and pretty good. I mean, some pretty interesting stuff and it's no longer just, hey, how can we make a sweet wine or import some grapes to slap a label on it? So right. all good stuff. I'm interested to talk more about that too. My general feeling, and this is cynical, but it, it, and you know, it applies to Long Island wines and a lot of these more regional wine programs is you get really good stuff, but just at the price point for what you're paying, you can get all this other amazing stuff 
for for the same or less. So it's a, it, I find it a little tricky, but I always love to support people doing things in a in a crafty way. So if I, if I were to visit, I'm sure I would be spending some money there as a souvenir for the trip, if nothing else. But the trip we're going to take today, my friend, is up to Toronto, where we've got four races we're going to talk about, starting with their eighth race on Saturday. We're on the synthetic fillies and mares, six furlongs on uh, on that synthetic course and a field of 10 going postward. What do you like to start this thing off? Yeah, I and I don't have numbers or morning lines yet. Sometimes they come through. I have them, so I can tell you uh, anything you need to know. Okay. Um, so Mrs. Green I'm going to start with, I'm going to guess is around 3-1. to one, And it's trying to for Seven to two. Okay. Trying since for the first time should be forward and best overall figures on the bunch. albeit on turf. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see this one get bet down a little bit. Um, two to one, five to two feels like good value in this spot. Also uh, pioneers edge. I'm guessing six to one, eight to one. Tens. Tens. All right. Uh, I thought Renner good one last out closing in the blue fractions. Two back wasn't right. Sat the bench for a few months and three back. Face is a pretty serious horse, and perhaps tonight. So today needs a little bit of a pace to run into, but I don't see any world beaters in here and might be able to get up into the frame. And then I think who's going to be installed as the favorite, Ambassador Luna, 2-1? to one? I will tell you, 5-2, to two, and yes, the fave. And uh, I, I don't know what happened last time, just didn't fire, and I think has the back class and ability to sit two or three back. So a couple favorites and a long shot in here to get things kicked off. You've given me a you've given me an idea. You know, we, we've done so much stealing over the years from my friend Gil Alexander with, with the, the the guessing morning lines show. We 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 could at some point uh, pull out. It's sort of a similar sort of a similar idea to the fantastic job that uh, that they do over there. Beating the book is the podcast for Gil. Best analysis out there, as far as I'm concerned, when it comes to the NFL guessing lines early in the week and the legendary Megapod late on in the week. Shout out to Gil and the team over there. I like one that you did not mention in this spot. I think it comes down to pace for me why I landed with number 10 Owens Tour Guide installed at 6-1 to one on the morning line. Did benefit back on September 9th from a track that was favorable to speed. But this is a horse that I think can also pass runners. And I thought just moved too early last time. It's sort of a trip thing, I guess. Making that move into the fastest part of the race. Ended up very tired late, finishing in behind your Mrs. Green. But I thought with a more efficient run through, might be able to sit somewhere in the second flight or mid-pack and pass these all. Owen's tour guide for me to kick things off in uh, this eighth race at Woodbine, Drew had it six, two, and eight. Do you have any any thoughts on on this Owens Tour Guide horse? Anything I'm missing? Yeah, I I looked at it. Let me flip back a page. I looked at Owens Tour Guide. I didn't love scrolling down to go find. I just didn't love the the needing when this horse wins, everything goes right. Like two back, yeah. kind of got the lead. It sat sat the lead, and it's already been beaten by a couple of these horses in here. Last with Mrs. Green trying to close in from way out of it. So it just didn't scream uh, or jump off the page to me that this one can, can reverse the form completely, but yeah, I, I mean, I see it. We'll go oppo in race number eight and we'll pivot to race number nine, the Ontario Derby grade three action for these three-year-olds going a mile and an eighth on the synthetic. I quite like number five Stanley house in this race ran okay last time on the dirt in the slop at uh, Fort Erie, but I think this horse is a much better runner 
on synthetic and in fact felt like the run in the king's plate was against the bias that day that was a speed favoring track and this runner i thought did well to end up getting third in there behind paramount prince and elysian Mm -hmm. field in this race i think we'll end up sitting a lot closer and i just think getting back onto the right surface has the right numbers to get the job done and i was surprised pleasantly surprised to see eight to one hung next to this one maybe off that slightly a darkened form off those last two runs maybe we get a nice run out of stanley house in the ontario derby what did you like in here yeah touch and ride uh seven to two is my guess touch and ride we've got five to two and the morning line uh favorite Okay. Um, well, this, this horse did back up that maiden win coming back and running down Elysian Field in the Breeders' Stake. And I think he's going to get a perfect ride. I don't see a ton of pace and should be able to make a late move and finish. The others in this field, I think, really won an epic pace collapse, and I really don't see that happening today. I will, though, use, with that said, my fanboy horse of Cool Kiss. I'm guessing 8-1, to one, maybe Tens. a little higher. Okay. I've been chasing this horse for the last two races, uh, and – I think the uh, the lawyer is uh, called up and the divorce papers are, are getting uh, drafted as we speak. But I think could be a little bit closer to this neutral pace and has the best finish in here. And Contreras gets aboard and might be able to wake things up. And then I won't leave off forever, Dixie. Three to one is where my guess was. Yep, that's exactly right. Yeah, I see those for, touch and ride and forever Dixie probably going to end up around three to one, five to two. Uh, overall best figures. And I think it's going to just be pressing the pace of Velocitor and have first run, uh, husband stays aboard. And I think you can't go wrong with these, uh, touch and ride and forever Dixie in this spot here. Two races, two, uh, oppo situations with you taking three, me happy to stand with one. We'll have to track those from uh, some sort of head to head point of view and, and see who uh, comes out on top here. It doesn't seem to this point in the card, like a day where we're going to win or lose together, but that's fun sometimes. Let's talk about race number 10. Allowance ranks once again, Phillies and Mares three and up, going six and a half on the synthetic. What did you like? Uh, Scottish Symphony at uh, two to one is my, and I didn't write a full value line, by the way. Five These to are, two. Okay, okay. Um, Speed Horse last out, tired going seven furlongs and uh, had a bit of a freshening, so Today, second off, and Hernandez stays aboard. And I think should be able to grind this field. I really don't see any quality closers. So five to two feels like a bit of a gift in this spot here for Scottish Interesting. Sympathy. I get Scottish Sympathy. I would have, li- if I did three picks, certainly would have listed either second or third. But the way I was seeing the race, I was hoping that Tavoline second off the layoff might be able to keep Scottish Sympathy honest. And that, I thought, would lead to the absolutely perfect trip potentially for number five happy valentine who i could see sitting right in behind and just just tripping out beautifully scottish sympathy has on the book from last time but i thought the presence of tavoline down at the rail meant that one had to go looking at pace figures she looks the fastest early anyway so that's how i was seeing it i think the exacta i mean it could end up a merry-go-round try you know i might even play at five with one six, not just because I love the five one six combo to represent my native uh, Nassau County, but because I think that's the way the race is going to come. But the five for me is the top one. Six for Drew. Did you have any backups you wanted to list, or, or are you happy enough with just the six? Happy enough. All right. That brings us to our nightcap. Not the easiest race in the world. The starter allowance going five on the inner turf, where Master Spy was installed the favorite at two to one with Neophyte in behind. At three to one for me, I thought the nine tricky magician 
was really interesting in here. Getting back onto turf, onto this sharp uh, five furlongs on the inner. Usually I go with speed here, and I'm certainly not doing that. This is a horse that on um, pace figures is going to be pretty far back in proceedings. But I was just interested at that kind of a price um, in, in this one's chances, getting back on the turf. Um, at the five furlongs. We'll see if it works out for me and Tricky Magician in the nightcap at Woodbine. What did you like to close things out? Yeah, I didn't have a good read on this race. Um, I, I have a couple, as I call them, kind of considerations. Master Spy at four to one. That was the two to one favorite listed. Two to one, yeah. So that's that seems like terrible value there. But best overall figures, cuts back and has some finish. This hit the exact of four out of the last five attempts at this level. I don't see a reason why Master Spy doesn't hit the frame. So some exotic use there. Hard to leave that one off. And then Grand Alliance drawing way out wide, six to one. Might be twelve higher. on the morning line. Yeah. Uh, what's the morning line here on this one? Twelve to one. Twelve. Okay. Um, finisher type who will be stalking the pace from the wide draw and two back kind of did the same thing, uh, on the inner and, uh, had a bit of a pace collapse. So I, I, I think that might be my top choice based on what the morning lines are saying here. Uh, just based on the value, I think this is a chaotic race. And, uh, if you can get stuck into one or two horses, I think you can unlock some value in your horizontal plays. Uh, also a good spot to find a win bet. Uh, I think everything's going to be over four to one uh, if Master Spy takes all the money. 11 and eight for Drew to close things out at Woodbine on Saturday. While we've got you, um, we talked a little bit off air. I'm, I'm willing to accept your, uh, your, your betting challenge here. We talked about each of our favorite teams getting involved. I, I, I would be willing to take the Giants against Washington, but sounds like we're going to go in the other direction. Yeah, yeah, uh, with the Mighty Lions, uh, and I saw Eminem posted a uh, shirt the other day that says, I was a Lions fan before it was cool, uh, which... <laughs> That'd be a good one for you. I, it, might, it might be, uh, it might be, because it shows the hardship we've been through, but I think the Lions are in the same spot they were last year against the Ravens. Montgomery's out and Gibbs is out, so it kind of cuts them down a notch back to where they were last year. I think it's going to be a close game. Lions are getting three points. I could easily see the Lions winning by a field goal or losing just by what what we saw last year with the last second field goal as well. So to win by uh, to lose by two. So I'm happy to take the points. I think this is going to be a true test for both teams and uh, really dictates what the season has in store. I, the only thing that I think goes for your side, and I don't know if Campbell will let his foot off the gas ever, but if I'm him, I'm looking at the rest of the schedule and going, guys. Let's just go out there. Let's play a game. Let's maybe take a loss here, but we have an easy schedule the rest of the way. Some Packers, some Vikings. We're, we're making the playoffs. Let's uh, let's play workload management as they do in the NBA and uh, get out of here in one piece. So I could see that happening. I would be a bit disappointed, but I don't think that's in uh, Dan Campbell's nature. I think he's going to try and bite the kneecaps like uh, uh, Monty Python. He's got four uh, limbs and appendages removed. He's still trying to fight. So it could I be like, a- I'll take, I'll take Baltimore, not just to be sporting, especially after the luck I had last week and beating you with that Bengals game when it looked like the Seahawks were going to win 16 different times down the stretch. But I think the angle on Baltimore is they've been a little unlucky. And you know, I think there's a case to be made and you could do this with a lot of teams, but I think you could do it more organically with Baltimore, a couple of bounces here and there. You could be looking at a six and an O team. And I think they're just a little bit 
you know, in the in the horse racing sense, dirtied up maybe. And plus, you know, we're playing on Cut, our new favorite social betting app. And one of the fun things on Cut is to just make and take challenges from your friends. And I'm sure, you know, there'll be some other week where there's a marginal one with something that that, that I like. So I'm gonna I'm gonna allow it here. And it's not one of my stronger opinions of the week, but I do think Baltimore, they still feel like the right side to me, um, all things considered. So as long as I feel that way, I'll happily accept the challenge that you're going to make at me through the Cut app. We encourage our listeners to download this, check it out. Legal in 30-something states now. Going to be hearing a lot more about Cut and social betting down the line. But yeah, if you can get that... uh, Get that posted to me, Drew, and we'll we'll accept the challenge and and we'll see if I can go three and one on on you on the season. No, we're two and two right now. What are you talking about? Two and two. I thought we played three weeks and 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 you won one and I won two. What are you talking about? No, no, no. Because we went me, you, me, you. Uh, last week was well, yours. Let's, let's recap. Let's recap these games really quick. Okay. So oh, I God. won last week with the Bengals. Yes. I lost two weeks ago with the Giants, and then the first one, I'm forgetting the game, but I know I won. What what game am I missing? Okay, I don't remember. <laughs> we'll figure I this don't. out offline. We will not bore the listeners with going back through football box scores. That is not worth stallifying for, but uh, I'm pretty sure my cut account will show that I am correct here, my friend. Um, we'll get it all figured out and we'll report back. We'll keep it going all year long, but this is fun. You know, you can challenge to clarify about social betting too. You can challenge your friends, but there's also bets you can put on there that are public and you can just make the bet you were going to, you know, make anyway, essentially against the stranger and you only pay the winner pays a 3% commission. So it's, it's great value compared to a lot of the rest of the stuff out there. We'll leave you looking up about what game you think I've forgotten. And maybe you're right. My brain's a sieve, my friend. But we're all set for Woodbine, and we're pretty much all set for this show. I'll be back with a few more comments right after this. We're thrilled to be partnered with Santa Anita for this new autumn meet. Love the traditional pick six. It's back, $1 minimum. And uh, there's also a new bet, a $3 all-turf pick three happening out there. That's something to pay attention to. The typical contest they have, Showviver and Pick'em. Read about those, santanita.com slash contest. One really cool thing, if you're betting on uh, first 1ST, there's a Santa Anita hoodie reward. Bet at least $100 during the autumn meet on Santa Anita races with first rewards and get that Santa Anita hoodie. Uh, one per customer. There's other fun giveaways as well, including a Zenyatta pin. I know a little girl who might be particularly interested in that one. And live money contest coming up Saturday, October 21. Super low ratio BCBC qualifier. Compete on site to win entries into the BCBC and a cash prize pool. Play at Santa Anita Park or online at expressbet.com. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. I want to thank all of today's guests. We'll thank our founding partners, 10 Strike Racing and the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation. Remember, it's the hay drive for the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation. That means your donations are getting matched, so your dollar is worth more than a dollar. And if you donate 200 of them, we've still got bottles of the In the Money whiskey left for you as well. Make sure to mention the hay drive to get that matching bonus to your donation, and also the whiskey if you want a bottle of that. We'll make sure to get it to you. Thanks most of all, though, to all of you, the listeners, for making these shows so much fun to do. The show's been a production of In The Money Media. I'm Peter Thomas Fornital. Hello. You're supposed to – I was going to let you do the closing line. Do you remember the closing line? 
May you win all your photos. You do it. No, you do it. You do it. All right, I'll do it. <laughs> May you win all your photos. <laughs>